The following is a hoop ball presentation. What up, Grizz Nation? You're tuned in to the Hoop Ball Grizz podcast. Isaac Simpson with you, and you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I S A A C underscore Rivals. Make sure you go over to at Hoop Ball Grizz. Give us a follow, man. We'd really appreciate that. Along with me is my partner in crime, and you can find him on Twitter at dwill2111. It's my man, David Williams. David, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Good. A little sore, but good. Yeah, man. Uh, started started a workout program, I heard, man. Uh, it, it's it, it, definitely when you first start, man, it can be can be a little rough on you, man. But as days goes on, you get better and better, man. I got to get back in the gym myself for sure. Uh, but man, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, David and I were just discussing the other day how much we both enjoy his video breakdowns and his insight on, on draft prospects. If you aren't following him, you should be. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Mavs as in Dallas Mavericks, M-A-V-S-D-R-A-F-T. Co-host of the Mavs Draft Podcast and the host of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Here's my man, Richard Stabin. Richard, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man, excited to excited to talk with you, man. I've been following you for a while, man. Really enjoy your your breakdowns, your videos. Me and David, like I said, we're just talking about that other day. And man, I'm telling you, man, draft NBA Twitter. If you're not following, man, you need to follow him at Mavs Draft, man. Make sure you give him a follow, man. Great, great insight on these draft prospects. And excited to talk with him here today. Um, just to start off, man. When and I, and I asked our last guest about this, I want to get your opinion on it as well. When Every, every year, man, you always hear about this is a bad draft. Uh, next year's draft is going to be really good. This draft is, is not a good one. And when, when you and I, I always kind of push back on that because I think there are always going to be really good prospects in every draft. I mean, some drafts definitely a little top heavy, have more star power at the top. But when you look at this year's draft, how do you kind of evaluate the, the star power at the top and just the depth of the draft overall? Yeah, it's always easy to say, you know, grass is greener on the other side with next year's class because we haven't seen any of these flaws come out yet like we have with this class. But the star power in this class is absurd. I mean, I, you know, you can probably change any order of the top six and each and every one of them has their own unique star upside that's very attainable. And that kind of just speaks volumes to the class. And then when you look at it, there's three or four second round guys who I can see at least one of them hitting their upside and becoming that all star caliber player. It's a deep class in terms of star power. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a, a lot of star power at the top, and I'm really big fan of the depth in this draft. I mean, there are a lot of guys from late second into late first into the middle of the second that I really like. I put a list out on Twitter uh, last night of guys that I like and that kept going. Man, I was trying to just think off the top of my head. I was like, I, next thing I knew, I had 14 guys on the list. I think so. There's a lot of guys that I like in this draft, so I definitely think there's a a lot of depth there at the top of this draft. Obviously, Detroit Pistons sitting there with the number one pick and the consistent number one pick is definitely uh, the, the super one and done freshman Kay Cunningham at Oklahoma State. And I'm a big fan of his, man. 6'7", 220. I mean, you just don't see guys that can handle the ball and, and do the things he do, he can do at that size. I mean, I think he's going to be an all-star player in this league, no doubt. I mean, just a set of skills that he has at that size are tremendous. And you kind of hear some some people in Detroit saying how kind of how he fits in with Killian Hayes and how this is going to work. And I just think Kate is a guy I think that you could fit in anywhere because, again, with his size, I think you could play him on the ball. You could play him off the ball. He could play with Hayes. I think you could do a lot of different things with him. And I just think you number one pick, man, you just take him and don't worry about it. Uh, but what are kind of your thoughts on, on Kate and, and how good do you think he'll be? 
Yeah, I mean, his floor is being a starter. And he's one of those guys where you said, you know, you don't really worry about the fit because one, talent fits better than like, you know, skills fit. Exactly. And also, you don't make him fit with Killian. You make Killian fit with him, which is yeah. something I feel like is pretty, you know, overlooked. But I, I'm all in on him. I don't see him ever being worse than a starting caliber player. Maybe he doesn't become like the Luka Doncic player that he's hyped up to be where he's an MVP candidate in year three. But which is very unlikely, by the way. And But he's still probably going to be an all-star caliber player by year three, which is just incredible. Yeah, when you look at this draft, I mean, the three guys at the top, Kay Cunningham was obviously number one. And then when you get to two and three, depending on who you talk to, some people think it's Evan Mobley. Some people would tell you Jalen Green. When you look at those two after Kay, Evan and Jalen, what are your thoughts on it? Just not team fit or anything, just as prospects. Which one of those would you you bet on being the, the better player long term? So if you're looking at both hitting their top ceiling case, uh, like best case scenario on that, I go with Jalen Green. I think his ceiling is the very best in the class. I, I'm very, just for like give an example, I'm very hesitant to give all-stars on comparisons, usually unless it's like someone I'm so sure in. And I'm not even entirely sold on Jalen Green, which I'll get to in a second. But one of the comparisons I put for him was like, you know, he has shades of Kobe Bryant's skill set. And it's, it's ridiculous. You get someone like that, that's that's an all-star, perennial all-star. The only concern is, will he actually hit that upside? I don't know. I'm a little bit lower on that, which is why I have him the lowest um, of the consensus top five guys on my board, because I know he has some concerns of how he uses like his freak athleticism. His ball handling is a little bit loose in the G League, I think, really helped him and hid some of his concerns. But I go with Mobley being the best player uh, not named, named Cade Cunningham in this draft. He's a complete big. I think the way I the way I look at him is he's a forward, like a small forward in a center's body. Like he, he is not a true big man in that way, which is kind of a really good thing in the modern NBA. You know, you see him do these between the legs into the jump shots. Like you just don't see that for a 7-1 big man. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think Evan Mobley to me is definitely the second best prospect in his draft. He's just for, you just don't see guys, I mean, kind of a unicorn, a guy seven foot can move the way that he moves. Uh, and, the, I mean, the defensive potential is just off the charts. And, again, like you said, I think I don't think you really fit him into a box as a center. I mean, he's just a basketball player, an extremely talented basketball player. And if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'd go Evan Mobley. But, and I was kind of thinking that that's the way they go, but kind of hearing some things. They're, I think they're saying that they, could, they really like Kate Cunningham. I'm kind of thinking that they might go Jalen Green there at number two. And if they do, that kind of puts the Cavaliers in kind of a situation and kind of goes against what we were just saying. But they have a nice young center in Jared Allen. How would you do you think he would fit if Evan Mobley, if, if um, they take Jalen Green at number two, how would uh, Evan Mobley fit with Jared Allen in Cleveland? Yeah, I think a lot of people are overblowing that situation because, yeah, sure, they're two bigs. But they do vastly different things. Like Jared Allen makes up for a lot of what Mobley can't do. My only concern I have for Mobley is his defensive awareness at times. There were like minor flashes of it not being that great at USC, but he was able to camp out in the paint. So it kind of hid that. He got three blocks a game because he could just camp in the paint. Other reasons too, of course, but it did not hurt. In the NBA, obviously, there's three in the key defensively in college. There isn't. But Jared Allen, Jared Allen can make up for those defensive awareness issues. I think if you play them both at the same time, the defense, you know, Allen can carry the the load, and then on offense, Mobley can carry the load. So it's kind of a give and take. 
So you said you, the, the consensus top five. Right? We uh, Obviously, you have Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Green. Are your four and five Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga? So my top five, actually, I don't have. Uh, this is gonna, It gets me torched every time, and I hate it. But <laughs> um, I'm actually so high on someone that's not in the consensus top five that I have him above Jalen Green at five, which is James Book Knight. But I have Kaminga at four and wow. Suggs three. Wow, okay. Yeah, uh, we're, we're big fans of James Book Knight uh, here on, on Ed Hoopball Grizz. Uh, I think my partner David's a little bit bigger on him than I am. I think, and, and it's kind of, man, my thoughts on him is not so much of, him as prospect is just kind of his fit with the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies need more size on the wing, and, and with him being six four, they're just guys like six Moody. eight wings, man. Six <laughs> eight wings, man. Yeah, the guys like Moody that I, I that are a little bit bigger that I think fit better. But I mean, Book Knight is a Book Knight is a tremendous prospect. Kind of kind of give us your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I see him personally as the best scorer in the draft. That's why I have him number five. You look at games like I really do think, first of all, the injury he had, I think it was an elbow injury, just really messed him up and really disrupted the flow of what could have been a, you know, all-American year at Connecticut. But he really got hurt by that injury. And as a freshman, he had huge explosions and and flashes and he continued it against Creighton. He had a 40 point game and Creighton, I think, had the 35th best defense in the country, which is absolutely impressive. I know it doesn't sound crazy in a vacuum, but when you have 300 teams you're competing with. Being in that like top 10 percentile is pretty dang good, and dropping 40 on him in college is remarkable. I think a lot of people knock his playmaking because he only averaged 1.8 assists a game, but that was the second highest at UConn. I think that's a UConn issue, not a James Book Knight issue, because if you watch him on drives, he finds his teammates. Like that's when defenses are collapsing, it's basketball 101. He knows to look for his teammate instead of forcing a shot up. I like that. And I think his overall scoring arsenal, shot creation, all that is there for a top five player. Yeah. I, 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 go, go ahead, David. How do you feel about his, like his movement without the ball? I know that's something that we talk about quite a bit because, yeah. you know, John ja Moran is a ball dominant guard, which he's the best player on the team. He should be. How do you feel about Boke Knight and being off of the ball? Do you feel like that's something that he can excel at as well? I think he'll be good at that. I don't know. I think his role makes it really hard to fully evaluate from Connecticut because he was mostly on ball, but he was able to spot up and do just fine. I think his shot just needs to be sped up and it'll make everything a lot different for him. Man, I'm probably going to, probably going to butcher his name. I've heard it lots of different ways. Well, uh, Alperin Sinton, the, the kid out of Turkey, uh, 6'10", 240 pound power forward center. Uh, kind of what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah. So Shingun's a, I don't even know how to really describe him because he's the best way I've I've described him. I think captures it is if you made Luca Garza three years younger and a little bit more mobile, that's what you get because he's got the passing chops. He's really good in the post. He's just outright productive, not good defensively, but incredibly intelligent and can probably space the floor and shoot the ball. So I have him as a top 15 prospect just because I think that, you know, we see I, I'm, I'm also a magic fan. So I've seen Nikola Vucevic for the last 10 years before he got traded. <laughs> Um, that guy was very good at what he did, and I see a lot of Vucevic in Shengun. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, he, I, I think his shooting potential is off the charts. I mean, I'm a big fan of any bigs that can shoot, and I think he'll really be able to shoot the basketball. Uh, I, I think he's really skilled. Like you said, I think defense is definitely – his question is, it, will he be able to guard on the defensive end um, and get stronger there? But I, I'm a big fan of his and – uh, as a prospect, I think he's going to be a tremendous player. I think it'll take him a little time, but I'm a big fan of his. Another guy that I want to ask you about is a 
guy that I wasn't big on. Um, and we've had guests on here. I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people really like him. So I just kind of kept looking at him, and, and he's growing on me a little bit, is uh, Franz Walker out of Michigan. Um, I think I watched a little bit more of him last night, and I think his defensive potential is, is pretty solid. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wagner? Yeah, the only thing that really worries me is how consistent that shot will be. You know, we saw it in the NCAA tournament. It got heavily scrutinized, and I think it's almost unfairly scrutinized in that way. Um, I do think it's an issue for day one, but it's something that will clearly get better. But he can handle the ball. He can get to the rim. He can defend. He's an all-around combo forward, which is a pretty modern player. And I think I don't think he screams high upside, but he does scream very high forward where, you know, he's a glue guy that pieces everything together. And Grizzlies are sitting at 17 right there, kind of outside of the lottery. So there's kind of some some guys that I hope slip. But when, when you look at that range from, let's say, 15 to 20, I mean, there's a lot of different ways this thing could play out. But kind of when, when you look at the Grizzlies, uh, who do, would you like for them there at 17? Who do you think would be a good fit? Yeah, there's a few guys. I think one guy who kind of embodies the whole grid and grind um, that doesn't get a lot of talk for really the 17th pick, even though I think he's actually a prime candidate for it, is Josh Christopher from Arizona State. He was a high school phenom. Um, I've gotten to talk to him. He lives and breathes basketball, is obsessed with getting better at the game, and is kind of pesky. We saw it a little bit in the combine scrimmages. I think he only played like 12 or 13 games at Arizona State, so the sample size was minimal. And half those games are on like the Pac-12 network, so it wasn't really that viewable. But I think he's got three-level scoring upside, defensive upside, just screams a Memphis guy. And, you know, the Grizzlies need a high swing of defenses. They've gone in the last couple drafts, you know, Brandon Clark, they've gotten Xavier Tillman, Desmond Bain. They've gotten the high floor guys. I think they need to make one more swing for that upside player. And they also do need wings and shot creators. So it it's a, checks all three boxes. Yeah, they, they brought, actually brought him in for a workout. And uh, apparently he's the godson of, of Tayshaun Prince, who now works in the Grizzlies front office. And, also seems to have a relationship with John Morant already. So kind of kind of some connections there. I think that is a guy that they really like. Um, do they take him at 17 or do they think they could possibly trade back and, and, and still get him? I always look at those two picks with Houston there, 23 and 24. I'd love to have two shots there, even though right now the Grizzlies don't have a lot of minutes or rotation spots for rookies. But I think Josh Christopher is a guy, like you said, is kind of an upside swing who I think they could send down to South Haven with the Memphis Hustle and kind of redshirt and groom for a year. And you look up a couple years down the line, he could probably be really a really player for you, a good player for you. I think he has a really high ceiling, and they're in position to take that upside swing right now. And we kind of see this team kind of go the opposite direction and bring in some some older, more established guys in Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman and even going back to Brandon Clark. So I think if they're going to take upside swing, this is the year, and they definitely kind of have time to wait on a guy. But – when you when you look at this draft, who is some guys that you think might not be getting a lot of buzz that could end up outperforming their draft position? Yeah, so unfortunately, a lot of these are about to be second round picks. But there's one who I'm very high on um, that I actually have him 13th overall on my board, but I don't expect him to go before 25, maybe. Uh, so I'll start with him. That's Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. In my opinion, the most mistake-free player, not in the top five or ten, because, you know, it's a little bit unfair to compare him to those guys. But I've seen almost every Villanova game from his two years there, and I don't really remember saying, what are you doing? Like, at any point. There was never a head-scratching moment. Those guys stick. Even if, you know, he shot 29% from three, I think, this year. And yeah. while that doesn't necessarily scream – 
you know, shooting. He does have free throw percentage on his side. And if you take out, I think it was like five missed threes, his three-point percentage skyrockets to like 35%. So I think people are really sleeping on how good that guy is in his work ethic and how much he's committed to getting better. Yeah, I watched some of him, and he is a he is a pretty good player, good rebounder. They can average up about nine a game. Good passer too for a big. Uh, average almost three assists a game. So, uh, and a still a game. So he's he's good defensively. He can do a lot a lot of different things for you. So I think he's a, a good prospect as well. Projected, you see in most mocks in the mid second round. So I think if if anybody takes him down there, it's gonna be a gonna be a steal. Um, I definitely want to want to ask you about one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Kind of. Overlooked him. We kind of got past him here. But uh, Josh Giddy out of Australia, I mean, 6'8", uh, high basketball IQ, the the court vision. I mean, you just see some of the passes that he makes. I mean, he just makes some tremendous passes. I think he's a guy kind of like we said, Kate Cunningham. Not that he's as talented as Kate Cunningham, but he's one of these guys that, that at that size that can really pass the basketball. I think for a team like the Grizzlies, people would ask the question, well, can he play with Ja? I think he's a guy that probably long term, projects as a, a secondary ball handler, but he's a guy that you can bring in. You can put him on the ball. He can play with Ja. He can give Ja a break off the ball at times. I, I really like him as a prospect. I don't think he gets to 17, but it, if he does, man, I would definitely, if I'm the Grizzlies, take a look at him. What are your thoughts on Giddy? Yeah, Giddy, in my opinion, is the best overall playmaker in the draft. That includes Cade Cunningham. Um, he is ridiculously gifted as a passer. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, I do... I do have questions, though, about his jump shooting. Um, that is something that really worries me for him because he can't shoot off the dribble. And while his spot-up shooting, I actually do buy the ability. Like, that's purely catch-and-shoot, never going to be out of, like, a triple threat even. That worries me, and he's also not good at defense being as tall as he is. And I've always felt playmaking is the worst elite skill to have. So I, I'm hesitant to buy in. I actually have him, like, 19 right now on my board just because I don't know how much that shot will tr- develop and translate. Yeah, man, I, I, I love it. I'd would, I, I, I'd go with your board, man, because if he's there at 17, I'd love for the Grizzlies to take a shot at him because I just think he's he's fun to watch, man. I, I love watching him play it again. Those, some of the passes that he makes, I think him and Ja could, could really give some, some teams some problems with that playmaking ability. Yeah, they'd be a good fit together, even though they both have some shooting woes. Having them on and off each other would be really nice. I'm going to go back a little bit. You were talking, and I apologize. I've just been kind of sitting here listening to your conversation with Isaac. But uh, you said you had uh, Jalen Green outside of your top five, right? Yeah, I have number six, which pains me because he's the best number six player I've ever ranked in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is it like? What are the questions that are popping up for you that you have him number six? Is it just the the five guys that you have in front of in front of him have a higher floor? You think, or, or what is it exactly? No, I think. So I, I really I have I'm just all in on Kuminga. That's one guy who I know is very unpopular to be ranking above him right now. Um, I still have Kuminga higher. The reason I don't have him at five, which I think is probably a lot more acceptable than six is because I'm just all in on book night. That's the one guy who it's like, it's because of who's over him. It's also not entirely a knock on green because I want to emphasize again, how deep this class is in star power. And this kind of embodies that where Jalen green, the highest star power skewing or the highest star skewing in the draft is my number six player. But for him, the defense, I don't know if he'll ever be a good defender uh, at least on ball. They'll probably force some turnovers off ball because he's good at playing passing lanes, but 
His defense as a whole just needs a lot of improvement. And then the other thing is his ball handling. I just don't know if he can tighten that handle. I think it got he got away with a lot in the G League with that handle. I think he can get ripped pretty easily. And I don't know if he can blow by guys just off of physical traits. He also needs to be able to beat guys off dribble moves. Um, so those are just some limiters for him. It's not necessarily worries. It's just I wonder if he's limited in those, and especially as a creator, like his upside drops significantly. Gotcha. And, you know, I think you're right when you say, like, as far as blowing past guys, because even from from college to the G League, there's a step up there. And then from the G League to playing in the in the league, you're going to have higher caliber athletes that you're you're playing against. So a lot of times he's beating guys because he's just a superior athlete. And while yeah. that may be a ca- the case against, you know, a, a lot of players in the NBA, it's not going to be the case against all of them. And, you know, the – you, you get a lot smarter players as well to help defenses better. There's a number of different things, moving parts that, that make the NBA the best league in the world. And just, you know, basketball IQ being in the right place at the right time, help defending when you need to be that, you know, that could probably take things away from him with, you know, with the handle issue. So I, I can see that that's one thing that I try not to do. You know, when we're talking to people, I see it all the time and it drives me insane. Somebody will put out a board and you'll get, Oh, I can't believe you. Da, da, da. And I'm, it's like, it's your board. You know, if you feel like that this guy is five and this guy is six, just because, you know, all of the, the big market T like the, the mainstream media is not putting those guys there. Uh, you know, I, doesn't mean that this person is wrong. There's a lot of big boards that are wrong. It's really, really hard to get this completely right. So I applaud guys for, uh, for taking a shot and, standing up for guys they believe in and Bogonite is definitely a guy. If he <laughs> if he was if he was six foot six, Isaac would not have an issue with him. That, no, that's he, the truth. Yeah, he, he hates short board, people. <laughs> Isaac has a problem. We need to have an intervention. <laughs> yeah, if he if he was six six, uh, yeah, he'd definitely be number one on my on my list for the Grizz. I mean he's up there. I I like him. I think he's gonna be a three level scorer and can do a lot of things for you. I just think the Grizzlies already have a lot of short short guys short maybe six eight wingspan so at least He's not short arm like we used to, so he he bucks that trend. But again, man, I like Marcus Moody. I think just bigger size. I think it, it, I think you'll fit in better. But uh, we got him bouncing all over the place here. A uh, guy that I do want to ask you about. You put a video up of him those days. Matthew Hurt. It's a guy that we talked about on our last podcast. Six uh, nine out of Duke. And when you talk about that high release, that's one thing that I really like about him. And despite his lack of athleticism and and foot speed, he can really score in the paint. Uh, does need to get stronger, uh, but. The question with him again is going to be, can he guard anybody? And he's kind of in between the three and four with his offensive defense. Kind of, do you think he has a place in the league? And, and kind of, where do you think he fits in? Yeah, so I'm actually pretty low on Matthew Hurt just because he does one thing and one thing only. And maybe this is just a philosophy flaw I have. I just I worry about guys like him who he can be targeted so easily. And this is even regular season. You can play him off the floor just by if you switch him every single time in such a switch heavy league. I, I do worry about how quickly that shot gets negated because he goes over two and suddenly you match him up on defense. You're down. It's it's a big swing. Um, and while he did shoot like 45 percent from three, he. I just I don't know. I have worries because I don't trust his shot off the dribble from three. I trust it completely within the three point line, but I just worry he's not much more than a standstill shooter from three. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely the, the question. If his shot's not falling, I mean, he, you, he's really unplayable um, at the next level. I think 
he's not going to get lateral quickness wise. He's not going to get, I don't think much. There's not much movement you're going to make there. Um, I think the only thing that you can do with him is hopefully he gets a little bit, bit stronger and hopefully he can stand up and go a little bit better there to where he's passable. Uh, but I, I think that's the question with him. You're talking about like the Grizzlies down at 51. He's a guy that I kind of have on my list. I think he might be a guy that you could take there and, and, and hope develops into something because anybody, I mean, I, I'm a, again, I'm a, like David says, I love the taller guys, six, six and up and guys that can shoot the basketball and 45% from three, man, at six, nine. I, I kind of like that. So, uh, but, uh, the Mavs, I mean, I just found this out. The Mavs actually don't have a draft pick right now. Do, do you think they're, they're going to be active and, and try to get in the draft? So it's new management and the Mavs haven't bought in the draft since 2011. I think this would be a strong year for them to do it. I know they've been active, more active, um, this year, at least publicly than, than any other previous year. I don't know if that's a, the regime change, anything like that, but I think there's a good chance they buy into like the 45th then pick picking later, somewhere at 45 to 60 range, or they'll be very active in undrafted free agency. Man, what, what did you think about the coaching change? Uh, Rick Carlisle is a, a guy who's had a lot of success there, been there for a long time. Um, he, he's now back with the Indiana Pacers. I think kind of came to a, a mutual decision, I guess I'd say. Uh, now Jason Kidd uh, in as the head coach. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on that change? Yeah, so I'm a little bit torn um, because I really liked Rick Carlisle. He's easily the franchise's best head coach they've had and probably will have ever have had um, for quite a while. He unfortunately just wasn't adapting with Luca, and who knows what the behind-the-scenes stuff was. We all saw with Haralabob, you know, kind of controlling the puppet strings. So we don't know what was what. But with, uh, I don't know, for me, it's like with Luca, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And Carlisle was probably not part of the solution. He was just in the middle. Therefore, he kind of had to go. And while Jason Kidd doesn't have a good coaching record, um, he is a player's coach and kind of just is preaching more freedom in the offense, which might be really good for Luca. I don't think you need to call plays like Carlisle wanted for a guy like Luka Doncic. And I think for something like that with the Mavs offense, I think you're going to see a lot more explosion, especially in the clutch. That was where they struggled the most. I think you're going to see that change. Man, good, good stuff, man. David, you got anything else? Yeah, actually, I want to talk to you. You know, obviously we, we had you on for the, the draft talk, but now that we're talking about the Mavs, you know, there, there are quite a few guys going into free agency this year that could make an impact. Who would be, you know, you can pick one or two, or if there's just one guy that you would love to see them get, what do you feel like the Mavs need to help them get to the next level to put alongside Luca? Yeah, so I mean, I think their biggest needs. I mean, they need a guard who can create for both himself and others. Right now, Brunson can create for himself pretty well, but um, he got played off in the playoffs, unfortunately. They also need better big man depth. They have Kristaps Porzingis, and that's the only. This is gonna sound harsh. He's the, he's the only guy who should be playing on an NBA four in the playoffs of the big men. And they also need someone who can force turnovers. They kind of have that in Josh Green, but he didn't get unleashed. But did you, uh, sorry, I might have missed it. Did you asked me just in free agency or in the draft for players to add? Uh, free agency. But, I mean, okay. if you got somebody from the draft that you like, you can throw them in too, man. Hey, I'll, I'll bring back a name for the draft. I want Jeremiah Robinson Rolls so badly. but Because uh, <laughs> I think he could replace Maxie really nice. But from free agency, I really want Rashawn Holmes kind of addresses that big man depth. 
And the other one, if uh, this is actually, sorry, Holmes is my second. My number one is DeMar DeRozan. He gets that shot creation, puts the pressure on the rim. He can create for others. He can obviously create for himself. Should have been an all-star this year, had a really strong case. If you can get that next to Luka, helps everyone a lot. And I think it even helps Porzingis too. Hey, what do you think about, there's a lot been made about the, the relationship between Luka and, and Porzingis. Uh, like I said, guys don't have to get along or be friends off the court, but you kind of, would like them to kind of like each other to kind of build that chemistry on court. What what do you make of that? Do you think it's anything serious and that it could be a problem long term? What are your thoughts on? Uh, they're on thin ice and they need to figure it out quick. I don't know if the Mavs can do a midseason trade just because of like the nature of where they are. You don't see that uh, where teams kind of I don't want to say blow it up, but where they make drastic changes in the middle of the season. The only one I can really recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, in recent years is the Clippers, when they tried being bad and then still made the eight seed. Hey, good stuff, my man. I, I, I encourage anyone on, on Grizz Twitter, NBA Twitter, if you like the draft, man, make sure you go follow my guy, man, at Mavs Draft. Man, does really great work. He does videos, draft breakdown, great insight on Twitter. Uh, again, man, before we get out, of, let's get you out of here. Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, so at Mavs Draft on Twitter, you can find 99% of the other stuff I do through that way. And then I'm also on Locked On NBA Draft on Tuesdays. Um, for the next two Tuesdays, I'll have shows just breaking down, you know, what to expect. I'll probably just do hot fire, you know, scouting reports, like three minutes or less or something. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that, man. Def definitely go check him out. We definitely appreciate you jumping on with us today. Uh, going to get ready to get out of here. We'll be back on Thursday. Derek Murray from Basketball News is going to join us. Uh, so make sure you be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Make sure you go over to at Hoopball Grizz. Give us a follow. We really appreciate that. Uh, David. You can get me on Twitter at bwill 2111 The show, again, is at Hootball Grizz. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again to Mavs Draft for coming on. We really enjoyed it, man. Until next time, we out. This has been a Hootball presentation.